hello and welcome back to Historical True Crime, the podcast where we take a look back at history's darkest crimes and criminals. I'm your host Lizzie and today is episode 19. Our story will begin in the late 1800s and this case and murder has a very royal connection. Today's episode is on Marguerite Alibert. As most of you are probably familiar, the English royal family is constantly making headlines, but it's not the first time the family faced a scandal, and I'm sure it won't be the last. Today, we're looking at Prince Harry and William's great-great-uncle, King Edward VIII, later Duke of Windsor, who abdicated the throne after marrying American divorcee Wallace Simpson. But before Wallace, he had a different love affair, one with a French courtesan, Marguerite Alibert, who would eventually stand trial for murdering her very rich husband. So many questions remain about Marguerite and her life. Was she just simply a cunning murderer? Did she genuinely love any of the men she was involved with? The answers, as you'll see, are not straightforward, as with so many aspects of this extraordinary woman and her life. Marguerite is born into a struggling Parisian household on November 9th, 1890. She's the daughter of housekeeper Marie Arand and coachman Fermin Alibert. She has a brother who, at the age of four years old, is killed when he's struck by a truck uh, when Marguerite was 15. She's unfortunately then sent to the Sisters of Mary, a Catholic boarding school, because her parents hold her accountable for the tragedy. The nuns at the school sent her to work as a domestic servant, but Marguerite will fall pregnant after only a year at the boarding school, despite the nuns' close supervision. The father's name is unknown, and the daughter she eventually gave birth to is sent away to live on a farm in central France. And as a result of her pregnancy and birth, uh, she's kicked out of boarding school and finds herself homeless. Marguerite will choose sex work as a means to support herself after being cast out into the street and having her daughter taken away. She had observed that upper-class sex workers, known as courtesans, could make big money. She also moonlighted or worked as a nightclub singer, and it was during one of her performances that she's discovered by Madame Denart, the proprietor of a brothel who takes her under her wing. She believed Marguerite had the potential to become a high-class courtesan since she was far more attractive, smart, bright, and educated than the average female who resorted to sex work. According to Rachel Sauerbrei for Medium.com, Denart describes Marguerite as, quote, the mistress of nearly all my best clients, gentlemen of wealth and position in France, England, America, and other countries. It was me that made a sort of lady of her. But Marguerite will fall in love in 1907 uh, with a man named Andre Meller, a successful wine trader who was more than twice her age. She would have been about 17 at the time, and he was 40. However, despite the age gap, there's another small problem. He's already married. But despite his marital status, Andre will give Marguerite an apartment so they can keep having a private relationship, and she'll even adopt his last name. In public or to her circle, she insists that they're married, but Meller is still legally wed to his first wife. In 1913, the couple split up. 
Marguerite was prompt in seeking out a new man after the relationship ended, and her charms ended up capturing the interest of some very high-ranking individuals. Edward, the eldest son of King George V and the Prince of Wales at the time, served with the British Army in France during World War I. In April 1917, while on leave in Paris, he is introduced to Marguerite, a young 24-year-old courtesan, and he was enthralled. Edward had already lost his virginity to another courtesan, but his friends believed that the 23-year-old required a comprehensive education from an experienced woman in terms of sexual experience. It's planned that the two would need to meet because a friend was already familiar with Marguerite. In his book, The Prince, The Princess, and The Perfect Murder, historian Andrew Rose claims that the prince fell in love with Marguerite at first sight and remained in love with her for at least a year. Rose writes, she evidently taught him a lot about sexual technique. All these stories about him being taught sexual technique by Wallace Simpson, I'm afraid that's really out of the window. If he hadn't learned his sexual techniques from Marguerite, he wouldn't have learned it from anybody. Now, Marguerite was allegedly a little bit mean-spirited, had a bad temper, and frequently slept with a gun under her pillow, according to Rose. But she also possessed other great qualities, like intelligence, wit, and sexual prowess. As a result, she is in quite high demand as a courtesan. However, Edward does lose interest in Marguerite after a passionate relationship that lasts around a year. Instead, he starts to lean in a different direction, to that of Frida Ward, a married woman. The prince's rashest act throughout his affair with Marguerite was to write her many love letters in which he discussed military affairs and divulged personal details about the royal family, including his parents. Now, Marguerite was smart, and she refused to destroy his letters. In fact, she'll remain a persistent annoyance to Edward for quite some time. And at the peak of their relationship, Edward had written at least 20 letters to Marguerite, signing them with the letter E. In some of these letters, he addressed Marguerite as Mon Bebe, or My Baby, and alluded to his tough relationship with his father, as well as describing his official royal duties as, quote, stunts. Again, according to Rose in his book, the prince wrote to his advisor, and he said, quote, Oh, those bloody letters, and what a fool I was not to take your advice over a year ago. How I curse myself now. Though, if only I can square this case, it will be the last one, as she's the only woman I've ever really written to. I'm afraid she's the 100,000 pound or nothing type, though I must say I'm disappointed and didn't think she'd turn nasty. The whole trouble is my letters, and she's not burnt one. But despite all of this, Marguerite does move on again very quickly from Edward. And Charles Laurent will be her first legitimate marriage, and he's a man she meets in 1919. But the marriage quickly fails, and it ends after just six months. But Marguerite did succeed in getting a divorce settlement, and quite a large one. Her apartment, a stable of horses, a car, and staff were all purchased with her divorce money. And it's during this time that Marguerite now believes she might finally be in a position to be a good mother to her daughter, 
because she had secured herself a secure living situation. Now, she hasn't seen her daughter in seven years, hadn't even sent her any letters. But Marguerite does intend to mend the relationship. Her daughter leaves the farm where she had been living to go live with her biological mother in Paris. And Marguerite will enroll her daughter in one of London's top all-girl boarding schools because she wanted her to receive a top education. But other than mending her relationship with her daughter, Marguerite needs to find a new man. She first sees Ali Camille Fami Bay in 1921, when she's actually escorting another wealthy businessman. Uh, but the Fami is smitten with Marguerite right away. Although not legally a prince, Ali was obscenely wealthy and had been given the title of Bay, which is about the same as a lord. In 1922, he's able to set up a meeting between the two of them, and shortly after, he proposes to Marguerite and offers her to live with him in Cairo. She first declines to move to Egypt and wed him, saying she just needs time to consider it. Eventually, however, she does decide, and she accepts his proposal. She reasons that even if things don't work out, she could still get a divorce, as she had done with her previous ex-husband. Uh, So it was better to be married him to him, even if it's only for a brief period of time. Even better, she anticipated receiving a substantial divorce payment because of his enormous riches. But Fami Bey, a Muslim, wished for Marguerite to embrace Islam, adopt modest clothing, and cover her face like other Egyptian women. Now, she insists on having a prenuptial agreement so that if she married him, she would be free to wear Western attire and could divorce him later on if their relationship didn't work out. But only a few days before their wedding, Fami Bey will tear up their prenuptial agreement and she'll have no evidence whatsoever that he ever agreed to those requirements. It's at this point she's already relocated to Egypt and converted to Islam, Uh, So she's now required to live as a woman in that society. Additionally, Fami Bey declared that he wanted numerous wives, which was permitted in Islam. She's suddenly stuck in a terrible marriage with no way out because she went into this with no idea about Egyptian customs at that time. Marguerite becomes increasingly dissatisfied with Fami Bey's treatment of her, especially in a sexual sense. Uh, His purported homosexuality was the subject of gossip throughout Egypt, and Marguerite even once asserted that she had been torn during unnatural sex. After about a year of marriage, she persuades her husband to take a trip to London with her so that she could see an opera. The couple end up staying at the Savoy Hotel. The pair goes to see The Merry Widow on July 9th, 1923 in London, but they get into a fight when they get back to the hotel, and the bay leaves the room for a while. Then three shots are heard at around two o'clock in the morning. Marguerite had executed Fami Bay with a Browning 32 revolver she had been keeping under her pillow. Fami Bay will pass away from his injuries an hour after Marguerite is taken into custody. It appears to be a fairly open and closed case. But things aren't always what they seem. Now, if Marguerite had murdered her husband in Egypt, she would have faced the death penalty immediately for killing a nobleman. But, and who knows if this was premeditated, that's up for debate, 
They weren't in Egypt. They were in London. And she had the chance to utilize her contacts to her advantage and try and save herself. Marguerite would seek out Prince Edward for a favor in the royal court. She dug up those naughty letters from their past that she'd been saving all these years and used them as blackmail. Now, her plan is a complete success because the royal family does everything in their power to prevent her from being imprisoned for the murder of Ali Camille Fami. Edward's secret past was temporarily buried because he's also whisked away to Canada during the trial uh, as part of a royal visit. Rose writes in his book again, quote, This was a show trial. The authorities wanted Marguerite to be acquitted. A murder conviction would have been catastrophic for the crown. It was agreed upon by court officials that Prince Edward would not be brought up during the trial and that her past as a courtesan would not be discussed. Marguerite was described to the jurors as a battered wife who eventually snapped. Her prior work as a sex worker was not acknowledged and nor was the prince's name ever mentioned. Marguerite is able to portray herself as the victim and presented herself as a helpless white woman in need of rescue from an oppressive husband. And the racism in Marguerite's own testimony was pervasive. She states that one of Ali's harshest deeds was compelling her to mingle with other non-white individuals, especially black servants, in order to damage his reputation and enhance her own. Now, the ploy works because after just one hour of deliberation, the jury find Marguerite not guilty of either manslaughter or murder. And the victory of Marguerite appears to be lauded in headlines all over England and France. The front page of the Yorkshire Evening Post even read, Madame Fami acquitted, verdict cheered. After being set free, she moves to Paris and carries on dating wealthy men. She even uh, refers to herself as Princess Marguerite. Despite this, she's actually not permitted to keep all of Fami Bey's money because according to the legal system in Egypt, she was a murderer. She spends a lot of time uh, visiting her daughter and her grandkids while living quietly in her Paris apartment for the remainder of her life. She's able to live quite comfortably, but passes away at the age of 80. And it's when looking through her papers after her passing that her grandson discovers that Marguerite had secretly wed and divorced five more times without her family being aware. And that brings us to the end of the case and life of Marguerite Alibert. But for those of you who don't know and are wondering, well, whatever happened to Prince Edward, I'll give you a very brief synopsis. The tale of Edward's abdication has been the subject of numerous TV shows and films because when Edward met uh, the twice-divorced Wallace Simpson in 1931, he started a love affair that lasted the rest of his life. At a celebration hosted by Lady Furness at Borough Court, Wallace Simpson and Prince Edward meet for the very first time. The prince immediately begins to pay attention to and adore Wallace. He even goes out to dinner with Wallace and her husband, Ernest, in London. And then the three of them spend the weekend at Fort Belvedere. But soon, Edward's interest in Wallace was noted by his friends and family. 
Edward even insists on inviting her to the Jubilee Ball at Buckingham Palace in Ascot, even after denying any romantic connection to his father, King George V. The Prince of Wales will learn from Queen Mary that his father is not in great health on January 16, 1936. The following day, he took a flight to Sandringham, and on January 20th, King George passes away. Soon after, the newly installed king will call Wallace to inform her of the development. And Wallace will file for divorce from her husband, Ernest Simpson, on October 27, 1936. Though Wallace claimed that Ernest's extramarital affairs are the cause of the divorce, rumors circulate that she and the king are actually the ones having the affair. King Edward will bring the Prime Minister to the palace on November 16th, and it's there that he reveals his intention to wed Wallace and is ready to abdicate the throne. Later, he reveals it to the Queen Mary, his mother. The Queen does request that he give up Wallace, but Edward refuses, claiming that he just would not be able to carry out his duties as king without her. Edward proposes to Wallace with a Cartier Emerald ring, before his abdication is officially accepted. He ratifies the instrument of abdication on December 10th, and Edward will receive the title of His Royal Highness Duke of Windsor from his brother Albert, who then becomes king. Now, Sir Edward Metcalf will act as the Duke's best man because no member of his family is present at the wedding, which takes place on June 3, 1937. The two will flee to South France after the Germans occupy France and then later relocate to Spain. According to the BBC, Edward is appointed by the British government to serve as the governor of the Bahamas, a British territory, in July. They stay there until the conflict is done before returning to France. On May 28, 1972, Edward will pass away in Paris after a throat cancer diagnosis. Wallace attends his funeral, and Edward is laid to rest not far from Windsor. Wallace will then pass away on April 24, 1986, in her residence, and she is laid to rest next to Edward. And with that, we come to the end of episode 19 of Historical True Crime. I hope you enjoyed the case of Marguerite Alibert. And I'll let you decide whether she in fact was a battered woman or simply a murderer or maybe something in between. Uh, And hopefully you also enjoyed the very brief synopsis of the scandalous love life of Prince Edward. Uh, So if you did enjoy the episode, remember to review, rate, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, If you have any feedback for us or a case suggestion, feel free to follow us on Instagram at historicaltruecrimepod or send us an email at historicaltruecrimepod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week for another dark and notorious case from history. We'll see you then.